Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Hey y'all, today I wanted to talk about how we often put on such a good image on social media, but you often have no idea what's going on below the surface. And I feel like that's sort of been the case for us lately, and I don't want to be a total hypocrite, so I thought I would just be completely honest about what's going on lately. It does involve depression, so that's your spoiler alert. Um... But, you know, now that we're home for the holidays, we've taken off a few days of work. We tend to spend, I say we, really it's me. I tend to spend more time on social media. And, you know, I'm looking at so-and-so's cute new dog that they have. I'm looking at another person's um, outdoor heater that they're going to hang out. You know, when COVID's over, they can hang out with all their friends outside. I'm looking at another friend's brand new cruiser bicycle. I'm looking at um, somebody else bought a brand new house. And so you're looking at all these things and all the kids, of course, are smiling. Very few people put pictures of meltdowns of their kids. If you do that, I would love to be your friend. Please send me a message. Anyway, so we look at, I look at all these pictures and I post cute pictures of my family yesterday or the day before I posted a picture of my daughter and we were cooking spaghetti and meatballs. She's sitting on the counter and, you know, the beautiful red sauce is bubbling in the pot and it just looks so perfect. Except I didn't tell you what all happened earlier in the day. You know, earlier in the day, I was at the end of my fuse with these children. The neighbors that they play with all the time have been quarantined for like eternity. And so we haven't had anybody over to play. And it was raining all day yesterday. And I tried to do some stuff like on my computer in my little closet, and it was just not going well. It was like, Mama, Mama, I need this. So I ended up, my son was yelling that he cut his foot, and he did, but they were cutting the full, chasing each other around and yelling and carrying the cat and throwing it. Anyway, it was just a hot mess. And so I yelled back, you know, if you, it better be deep enough to need stitches. Otherwise put a bandaid on it and leave me alone. And then a few minutes later, I hear him crying and he's saying, I'm dripping blood all over the house. So I get, and he's 13, so he doesn't cry very much. So got up, of course, he's dripped blood on the rugs and it's not that deep. So I cleaned it and put a Band-Aid on it. And then I got upset because he was upset with me for not taking him seriously. So then I got all teary and <laughs> it was just a mess. 
So we don't always talk about things like that on social media. I also wanted to let you know that this time of year is hard for a lot of people. Um, My husband gets seasonally depressed. I guess that's the right phrasing. Um, A lot of times in the winter, he just, he's depressed year round, but it gets worse in the winter. And it's especially bad right now because of the pandemic. For somebody like him who is a rule follower, everything's black and white. You know, why can't people just follow the rules? They have guidelines. Why can't they just do it? And I see the world a little bit more in shades of gray. So it's very hard for him right now to just cope with everything going on. And when he's stressed, he likes to organize the heck out of his environment so that it, I guess he feels like he has control over something. So it's not unusual for me to walk into the kitchen and this man does not cook because I love to cook, but he will have reorganized where the pots and pans go. He'll reorganize my cabinet with all the canned goods, and it just drives me crazy. But I try to recognize that he's um, having, you know, some depression, and and we deal with it. Um, I also wanted to talk about depression because I think January, I don't know if it's January 16th, someday in January is like categorized as the most depressing day of the year because it's supposed to be when all the credit card bills come due and the weather's cold and rainy or snowy and Christmas is over. There's nothing to look forward to for a long time. So I wanted to tell about our history with depression. So it's not me, it's my husband. And I did ask him if I had permission to talk about this. And he said, yeah, because if anything, it raises awareness and, um, you know, takes some of the shame out of it because there's nothing to be ashamed of. So I didn't realize that depression, I didn't see depression as a disease um, before Chase was diagnosed. I grew up with a family who, if you were, um, down in the dumps or going through a rough patch, you would not go see a therapist. That was not something we did. You were kind of told to buck up, sister. So when I married Chase, he was not depressed at all, had no history of this. And he was, you know, we called him the golden boy because he was so well liked and he just had this bright smile that lit up everything and he was well liked by professors and you know all his friends parents and just a great guy and when we got married we'd been married about a year and a half and we lived down in Albany Georgia and decided that he was going to apply to graduate schools and we would move somewhere else for a couple of years. So we applied all over the country and ended up deciding to move out to Montana. But our game plan was that he would move out there first because I had a contract, a work contract that I had to finish. And if I broke the contract, I would owe $3,000. So we decided it was worth it for me to stay back home and we would fly out and see each other once. And then I'd move out there. So y'all, he moved out there with a truck, a suitcase, And that was it. Maybe some snacks. And when he got there, I think he bought a mattress. 
and they already had a table and two chairs in this little tiny house and maybe a chair in the den. But he's like literally sleeping on a mattress on the floor and living out of a suitcase and probably eating out of cans. I don't even know what he ate. And he had no support network. We didn't know a soul out there. We'd gone out there once to visit and secured a place to live. And that was it. So we would chat on the phones at night. I was still working. We would talk. And I started noticing that he was super stressed. You know, at first it was just stress and kind of anxiety. And he had his first panic attack. And, you know, that was super scary for somebody who's never had one. And you're a grown adult male and you're having this panic attack. So he's telling me about it. And I, you know, try to encourage him tried to encourage him to go to the student health center and he did he talked to a doctor there Um, but every night it felt like it was getting worse and it came time for me to fly out there and I saw him and he seemed okay you know he seemed stressed but he was doing okay and so I came back home and I thought all right well we've got six weeks left we can do this six weeks is nothing But every, sorry, every day it got worse. And pretty soon his mood dipped into depression and he was not wanting to get out of bed and didn't want to go to class. And, you know, we were 2,000 miles apart. I didn't have FaceTime back then, so I could hear it in his voice. And I remember just putting my head down and thinking, what am I going to do? How do I help him? Like I said earlier, I am a fixer. So I would write him these long letters and, you know, try to, before I even started reading all these self-help and motivation books, I would, you know, come up with my own rah, rah, rah. You can do this. It's going to be okay. We'll see each other again soon. And it just was not working. So one night his mom and dad called me and we sort of had an intervention, like a come to Jesus moment. And his dad said, we've got to, one of us has to go out there. We need to check on him in the next like 48 hours. So his dad got a buddy pass from a friend who worked for Delta and flew out the next day. I went in and talked to my boss and said, I'm going to have to leave early. I I can't, um, my husband is depressed and he's spiraling down and we're worried about him. And he was really good. He let me leave. He said, can you stay till the end of the week? And I did. So I went home, called everybody I knew and said, please come help me pack up this house. We had all this stuff we, you know, gotten as wedding gifts. And so we had to pack up the entire house, put it in storage and let or ask my sister-in-law to keep our cat for us. And then I got on a buddy pass the next day or a few days later, and flew out there. And as I'm riding on the plane, I just remember thinking, I don't know what next week is going to hold. I don't know if we're going to be back on the airplane heading back to Georgia, or if we're going to be living in Montana for the next two years. So I just had a suitcase. The original plan had been to drive all of our stuff out there, but that was not going to happen until we figured out what we were going to do. So I went out there, and Chase picked me up from the airport with his dad, and he looked horrible. Like, he lost weight. 
He had not had a haircut. He'd not been sleeping. So he had dark circles under his eyes. And it just scared me to death. So I tried to fix it. (laughs) I, you know, started cooking for him, took him to get a haircut, went to his therapy appointments with him. And he got on a medicine, but it turned out to not be the best fit. It sort of numbed him too much. So um, we had to switch that around. And meanwhile, I didn't have a job. And he only had an assistantship, which was not, it was probably enough money to cover the rent, but not enough to cover, you know, groceries. And I still had my student loans. So I started applying like crazy for jobs. There weren't any jobs advertised except a gynecology job, which I was like, oh, and orthopedics, which I was not crazy about, but I would have done anything. So I did not find a PA job right away. I ended up getting a job at a bakery. So I went from, you know, not knowing how to make, I I don't think I'd ever had a latte to drink. And all of a sudden that's what I'm doing and I'm serving bread. And anyway, I was making minimum wage too, which at that time was like six or $7 an hour. But I had a job, I had something to do. And um, Chase was like my full-time project back then, which he would not want me to say that because (laughs) he's not a fan of me trying to trying to control things like that. But, you know, in my 20s, I thought that depression was something you could snap out of. I thought it was like a bad mood. And then if I just tried hard enough and made him, you know, I thought I could, quote unquote, make him happy, that he would get better um, just with that. Did not know a thing about depression. So over the years, I've learned, and he's had a few more episodes every few years. um, He sort of drops down more. And so we've learned to sort of think of depression as like a flu. You know, he's got the emotional flu. And one of my friends the other day said she has depression. And she said, I just came out of a, um, a, a like a week long episode and she said she told her friends what was going on and they brought meals to her and she had help with the children and I thought that was such a great way to look at it you know like you call in all your resources you get help you don't hide from it because that makes it even worse if nobody knows about it you can cancel things that you have scheduled I mean if you had the flu you really would cancel So think of it like that. Think of it as a disease like any other um, thing that can flare up like MS or rheumatoid arthritis. So we ended up surviving Montana. We stayed for two years. I did eventually find a PA job there. Chase made friends with his classmates and we learned to do a lot of outdoor winter activities and it brought us closer as a couple and we learned to work together because we just had each other to rely on. Um, and now that we have kids, we make sure they know we're pretty upfront about health issues. And, you know, they know that Chase has depression and that sometimes his mood will be really short or, you know, they know how important it is to that he gets enough sleep or, you know, that he exercises regularly. And... Yeah, I just wanted to let y'all know that when you see people on social media and they look 
perfect on the outside. You just never know what's going on inside. And if you're a person who suffers with depression, I also wanted to just let you know you're not alone. It is so common and it's such a struggle for you and I'm sure for your loved ones too. Um, there are a lot more tips that I give on my website, www.hopethepa.com. Again, it's I'm a physician assistant, but don't take it as medical advice. You should still see your doctor and your therapist if you're suffering from depression. And if you'd like to reach out, you can shoot me an email at hope.cook at gmail.com. Y'all have a good new year. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast, Recharting Your Life with Hope. Everything I discuss in this show reflects my own views and opinions and not those of my employer. Although I'm a physician assistant in my real life, any advice or tips you hear on this show should not be used as medical advice. If you like what you hear, come on over to HopeThePA.com or follow me on Instagram at HopeThePA.com.